you're listening to Innovative Minds with Melanie Francis, where we talk to some of the top thought leaders, business leaders, and marketers around the globe. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind. And now, let's get into it. Welcome back to Innovative Minds. I have with me today Tom Hunt. You may have heard of him. He is the founder of Fame and Becast. So I came across Tom because he reached out to me and we've got common friends with Justin Rowey being one of our common friends and we're both in the same space of, you know, we both believe in LinkedIn and we both kind of see, you know, the value. But with the angle that Tom comes from and I've, you know, actually done a previous podcast on this is how you can actually use podcasts, I think, to generate really fame is one thing, but credibility, trust. So it's something that I totally believe. And when I've started doing it, it's made my content game super, I don't know, so much easier, you know, to get content and abundance of content where previously it used to be pretty hard to get the volume of content that's necessary. So I wanted to bring Tom on to really understand what is his process of, you know, actually getting podcasts to perform as well he has done and how he's actually grown his business substantially over the years, offering podcasts as a main service. So I want to understand more of his start, his process of how he does that, but what he actually does, because I don't know lots and lots because sort of it's a bit of a secret that I've seen that you keep a lot of your strategy off-site, Tom. So excited to have you here and just find out a little bit more. Uh, Melanie, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's funny that you mentioned LinkedIn and podcasting because I think right now the best way to get attention free or cheap is through LinkedIn organic posting, as you know, because you crush it on LinkedIn. And then so that's one thing. And then I think a podcast, not a great way to build an audience, but it's an incredible way to build a relationship with a existing audience. So if you combine these two things, I think this is a really, really powerful B2B growth strategy. And obviously, our like businesses work on the second one, but I've been working a lot on the first one personally to help grow our businesses. And so, yeah, I think we can dig into these two things that this could be a valuable conversation for the audience. You know, Tom, everyone wants to do a podcast or everyone, every marketer, every CMO goes and quotes, you know, the Exit 5 guys and says, you know, everyone should have a podcast. It's, you know, revolutionary for you. But I still see so many people, A, not actually doing it. And then second, that those that I've seen do it, sometimes they do it really poorly. And then there's people that just think about it forever. Why do you think that, you know, people aren't getting in I think there's probably two things that are stopping people from getting into podcasting. The first is people are saying that it's like over. Podcasting is over because everybody has them. Everybody has one. My response to this is in order to make a judgment on whether there isn't enough listeners for everybody's podcast, you have to understand two things. First is how many podcasts there are. And then two, how many more new listeners are coming to the space. And then the comparison I give is that I think it's something between like two and three million podcasts, right? But do you have any idea of like how many blogs? No, we'll start with YouTube channels. Do you know how many YouTube channels there are roughly? No. If you had to guess, 
more more or okay. less than podcasts. Okay. If I had to guess how many YouTube channels there are, let's say, I don't know, is there like 30 million? Very close, 50 million. Yeah. So, so the lot more YouTube channels. And then this is an even better one. Do you know how many blogs there are roughly? Oh, that would be a lot. Let me say that. Is that like more getting close to your billion? It's a good question. The stat I have is 170 million, but it's obviously like active, non-active. So who knows? Oh. So the point there is that there seems to be a lot less of those than there are of these other things. And then as you understand what a podcast is, it's just like a blog with audio content. It's an RSS feed with audio instead of written content. So we believe that, or I think that really every business, just like they have a blog, they should also have a podcast. And then going back to my first point about whether there's not enough listeners for the shows, obviously the number of podcasts is growing like pretty fast, especially in the last like two years, I would say. Mm. But then at the same time, there are all the big tech companies building out products for audio, e.g. like AirPods or like Amazon Music now. Yeah. And so the access to listeners is also growing. So I don't know which is growing faster. That's a big key objection is like, is podcasting oversaturated? And those are my arguments against that objection. I like it. Yeah, I mean the i think there are more listeners i think we are moving into a place where people want to consume content while they run or while they exercise and like you said you know and you can do that because of the technology advancement and even me i mean i used to love consuming and reading stuff you know i'd be googling it i'd be like oh why do i have to watch a youtube video now to figure this out because i'm in bed and i just want to tell me the step by step um, of what to do next, you know. So, but more and more now, because there's more content like that, or because of the shortage of time, you can now. I'm listening to podcasts more and more. It's just as the culture changes, you consume more. Even today, I actually listened to one of yours before you came. Ooh, you know, on which one? On the one that you took your business, you know, from what, um, 107k per AR revenue, the seven tips and seven learnings that you oh, had yeah, as a CEO. You so much. Yeah, so I I consumed that. I liked it that it was short. Like it didn't, you know, kind of make me feel afraid like it's going to take up too much time, which I sometimes Mm -hmm. worry about my own that, you know, I'm putting 56 minutes of content out there, but I don't really think I'm looking for people to consume that 56 minutes. For me, it's like how am I going to get the best snippets out and serve that to my community is more my angle. But I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here doing it. Traditionally, if you saw me three years ago, I probably would have been like, nah, I'm not going to, you know, I wasn't a, someone that actually consumed on audio. I thought I'm a bit bad listener, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought, you know, that's not how I learn, but it's changed. You know, the world has changed. I think it is time. And so either the person who's hosting the show thinks it's going to take ages or the person who's in their team who's responsible for like doing all the work um, thinks it will take ages. And Maybe I could tell a story. So three years ago, I was head of marketing at a B2B software company. And I saw this new persona I thought we should sell to. And I was like reaching out to these people on LinkedIn. Because as a marketer, you have to like learn about them if you want to sell to them. And so I reached out on LinkedIn. Obviously, no one replied to me because I was just like, give me your time for free. And so then the master stroke was that we're going to start a podcast. Then I started inviting them. And all of a sudden, these people who I thought are ideal customers were like coming into our office, it was before COVID, to get interviewed on the podcast. And the reason I bring this up is because I was head of marketing at like six projects that I needed to be strategic about. So I told my team, which was actually a remote team, there was one person in the Philippines. And I was like, can you find the gas? Can you do the research for me? I just want to 
review the research 10 minutes before, jump on a 30-minute recording slot, record for 20 minutes, have a nice chat with the guest, upload the audio, and then can you find an editor to make the audio, and then can you upload it to all the platforms? And so what we got, got this down to with Head of Marketing, my investment in the show for a week, actually it was, it was twice a week at the start, was probably like one to two hours a week. And then we had this person who was in the Philippines like built this like mini system around it so that I could really minimize my time investment because my time was most valuable in the whole system, right? And so we did things specifically to minimize my time, right? We only had 30 minute recording slots. We dropped from twice per week to weekly and obviously that released a lot of time. And then we had one person who was like responsible for it. So I was like the talent just showing up and performing. And so this is how we recommend, like it's just being very conscious about who in this system that you're building has the most valuable time and how can you drag that away from them? And then how can you pass that work out to other people that are good at it or love doing it? I think everyone thinks though, when they hear that sometimes they're like, well, I don't know if I can trust that Philippine person because I want perfection, you know, instead of just Mm. getting started, I want, you know, the top of the top and I want, you know, everything like strategically, what, what should it be called? And, you know, how's it going to be branded rather than just, you know, focus on the fact that you're getting into conversation. How am I going to look? Do I have the best camera? That's where people, you know, still go. Yeah, that's great, Tom, that you've gone and, you know, done that. But unfortunately, they want a specific way that they're presented. And I think they overthink. It's more important to actually get, you know, get started, started. I think. But people just don't have that confidence about that. No one gives a shit that you're using your, you know, webcam or not webcam or whatever you're doing. I think it's about getting started and then you can incrementally improve as you learn. So I was listening to a podcast last night. Um, it was a re- Tim Ferriss reposted his interview with Jim Collins, the author of Good Great. And he explains this concept, which he calls firing bullets before cannibals. And he's basically saying that if you're in a warship and you have limited gunpowder, you could, as soon as one's coming to attack you, you could shoot the cannibal first, or you could shoot bullets, shoot it three times, get like the aim right, and then you shoot the cannibal. And so I didn't really have this in mind when we started that show. But it's exactly what we did. Like it was such a low production um, operation first. But what we found out was like, what are the good questions to ask? Who are the good guests? And now that show, if you have like 250 episodes still running, I hosted it for 200. And so it's exactly what he's saying that I understand that some like B2B companies want their brand to be like pristine and perfect. They want everything they release to be ideal. But sometimes that can stop you from doing anything. So you just need an easy medium. And in order to learn about what's actually going to work, you have to do things as opposed to just like writing Google Docs or like strategies about it. Exactly. The other thing that really interests me about what with you that I want to get into was getting the views. So say you've, you know, somehow you're doing podcasts, but a lot of people are struggling with actually views. I had Gareth on here. I don't know if you know Gareth Maharuth, who's a, who, who runs Directive Consulting. So I've had him on here. Him and I, you know, we caught up for a drink and he said, you know, I've produced so much content, Mel. But I reckon I produce the most amount of content with the least amount of views. For and he's he's done like so many podcasts, and his content's good. So I guess driving views. I've got some, you know, in my mind how I want to drive views to it, and I know you've got some great tact that you've used on 
how do you go from organic to paid? How would you say that, you know, when is the right time to maybe focus on views and then how do you actually get more views? Is it by posting more multi to produce more? Like what's the tips? Yeah, so this is a, I'm like answering the question with like, I don't know, like the wrong answer, but if you're trying to grow anything, whether it's a podcast, a business, like anything in a mobile app, you first have to focus on retention. So my favorite marketing and business quote is retention is the foundation of growth. And so the right time to start promoting is when we start to see retention or we start to see that people are actually enjoying the content. There's two things to look for. The first is qualitative feedback where people can give that. There's typically two places. A, if in the comments on a LinkedIn post that you posted about the show, or B, it's in the form of Apple reviews. So first we want qualitative feedback. We want that to be positive. Like maybe, I don't know, let's say five to 10 positive comments before you're really going to focus on permission. The other place you look at is Apple Podcasts is the only directory that gives you consumption stats. YouTube does as well, but it's not a podcast directory. And so what we're looking for is for our average consumption per episode to just be creeping up slowly on average, maybe not like perfectly for every episode, but creeping up slowly over time. And so if we get those two things right, then we can be somewhat confident that we're going to retain the people that we're sending to the show. We typically say we would like launch a show and then in month two or three, we'd be looking for those signals and then we would start the promotion. So that's the when. And then I think fundamentally what you're trying to do is you're trying to not steal, but you're trying to take some of the tension, be compelling enough so they take that first action, either they click through to Apple Podcasts, then you want them to listen, then you want to keep them. And so that's really all you're trying to do when you're trying to promote a show. And so then there's probably like 25 different approaches of doing that. But I think it's important to understand that's all you're doing and you're either paying money to do that or you're either like using time to do that because you're creating the content and putting it like onto an algorithm, e.g. LinkedIn. And so if what is the cost to get someone to look at it? And then what, like, do, like, do they go all the way through and do they retain? And so that's like the really, uh, that's the high level strategy of what we're trying to do when we're trying to promote content. And we can dig into like specific tactics of how you can do that as cheap as possible and maximize the chance that they go through and retain. So we can move on to that now if you want. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to learn. So I think let's just run through like maybe three. And this is not like if if you Google like how to grow a podcast, there's like the most ridiculous, well, not ridiculous stuff, but the obvious stuff like you create the video snippet, post it on LinkedIn. So we're not going to do that. We're going to do like some new things, the hot stuff. As I said at the start of the show, I think the best way, one of the best ways to get cheap free attention for a podcast is posting from the host's personal profile so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to put the link to the show in that little you know there's a new area below the linkedin description yes where you can put well, the, be, the only reason i know that is because i've been stalking you and do you have that do you have that on your profile no i no, was going to ask you about it i've actually was going to ask you about Let's have a look. do you need to create a company page for, no for, no for you podcast to do that no no you should definitely be able to do it you have a creator profile because you have the yes. hashtags you edit the profile and you scroll right yeah. down to the bottom and there's an option to put in a website. Now, if I have tried that on other people's profiles and it hasn't worked because oh. I think they're like rolling it out, but I'm assuming because uh. you've got a pretty decent amount of followers that you should have it there. Okay, um, so as in instead of or it, landing... It'll come soon. Instead of landing on my company website, it will land on 
the podcast and the name what? of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. You can choose. Yeah. You can choose where you link. You can also choose the tech for shows, which is great. So you that's, can like be that's a little what you're bit suggesting. cheeky with yeah. that. That's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Like listen so, to my Innovative Mind podcast, for example. And, and yeah, well, I mean, we, we, we could probably do better than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, so my one is a little bit cheeky. I say, yeah. I, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like the number one B2B marketing podcast. And we're like kind of there, kind of there. Yeah. yeah. The number one B2B marketing pod. And then I put the little emoji of the, like the graph going up. So that's the first thing that we're going to get our host to add that link in with like a compelling line of copy. And then what we're going to do, I think like just posting, like you're obviously the expert here, but like posting we're not going to go into an organic posting strategy, but like post on LinkedIn and like find yeah. other people to tell you how to do that well. But when you do release an episode, pull out the most like weird, compelling, interesting hook, actually like add value in the copy. And then obviously like put the arrow down link from the comments. You can test putting video snippets in there or not, or you can test putting images in there or not. But that's yeah. like it for recent growth from my show. That's what's really been working. And especially if you're building trust and building an audience through the other posts as well. So that I think probably the, the cheapest, like long-term way to, to get new listeners in uh, like consistently because the LinkedIn al algorithm at the moment is just pretty great, I think. So that's the first one. Obviously, that's not too like innovative or experimental, but that's like probably that's working best for me right now. But let's talk about a couple of other cheeky ones. So I don't know if you remember, but like seven years on Instagram, you could pay an influencer like $50 to do a post and like link to your econ product because they didn't really know like the value of their audience. This is happening right now, but with bloggers on Google writing these posts, the top business podcasts or top LinkedIn podcasts. And so what you do is you find the niche for your show and then you Google top, let's just say we have a podcast about LinkedIn, top LinkedIn podcast. There'll probably be for the lip that, there's probably like 20 posts, right? Now these people don't know the value of what they have. So you go to them and you'd be like, can you pay me to put me in the list and put mm -hmm. the link in? Or can I do a link exchange with you? I'll link to your post from somewhere you add me. Or mm -hmm. what we've also done is like, can you put us in the post? I'll bring you on the podcast. And so mm. doing deals to get those, you get the link to your show and then you're going to get that inbound traffic that goes to those posts. That's the first thing. Then to take that even further, what you can also do is if you have an episode about a topic, like let's say this one is about podcasts, you could do that exact thing, but for like best podcast podcasts. So that's quite a good strategy because that's like, it's not going to get you a shitload, well, a shitload of downloads on day one, but it's going to be like a nice long-term like growth. And what happens is if you get into those lists, when other people are writing new lists or other people are looking for shows to come on, they're going to go there and suddenly your show is just like one of the shows, which is the top 10, et cetera. So that's something that we like to run. So that's I recommend awesome doing SEO that. Awesome SEO strategy. Awesome SEO exactly. strategy over there. So that's not just LinkedIn, but how do you do it through Google and actually drive traffic big through a different channel? So yeah, that's superb. For sure. Now, the next one is unlocking the gift. Like whenever you create content with someone, they're incentivized to share. But what we want to do, instead of just like getting them to like, like the post that you do or just share on LinkedIn, we, we're like, how can we like get them to sh get them to share, get their business to share? How can we get them to like write a blog post, post it on their blog mm -hmm. and link back to us? And so what we like to do here is when a guest will book in on Calendly, like I did here, you can be like, if we write 
a like engaging summary of this post of this episode would you be happy to post that on your blog yes or no it could be like a non-required answer if you get a yes your content team can like write that up put the link in back to your domain and to the podcast then the guest is going to post it on their blog that also increases the chances that their business is going to share because when a blog post goes live for most businesses it goes into some social posting schedule so you want to make that happen and then probably the most important share though is the guests sharing that on linkedin now what you don't want to do is be like you can only come on if you share because it's just a bit weird and so what we found the, the best thing to do is just like make the guests have a great time the yeah. better time they have the more likely they are to share and then when you share on your linkedin what i do is i tag the guest and then i'll just ping them in on a LinkedIn DM because that's normally where we're chatting anyway with the link to the post being like FYI post gone live etc maybe I'll give them snippets and stuff and if they've had an amazing time they love the interview everything's just been really smooth then not everyone is going to share maybe because they're busy or maybe they just don't want to but that's going to increase the chances and that's like the LinkedIn personal profile share is typically the one that will drive the most for the episode yeah absolutely I agree with that that once we have our snips available and I post, I always have within our processes to go to the person that was of the guest going, you know, here's the video I'm going to be sharing this week. Please feel free to also, you know, organic. And this is another trick instead of them sharing that post. So they might see you posted and they commented and they share it. What you really want to do is give them the Google URL link of that video that you produce so they can download and share directly on their LinkedIn so they can get way more views because if they're just going to go and share they're not they're going to get like you know 400 impressions on their network of yours so that's a really important tact on making sure you go to that extra effort in your content game that if you've gone and like you know edited a video piece like give them that part back I was curious Tom about your actual service and product to you know people that want to do podcasts and to what extent and how far you go with them along with, you know, like do they prepare the questions? Do you help them with that? You know, is there different, you know, edits and snippets that you provide all the way? Do you provide copy all the way through? Like, you know, how deep does your service actually get from, you know, strategy to production to, you know, how often? So I'd love, I was very curious to learn about that. Yeah, so this goes back to the story of, you know, I told you I was the host of that show when I was head of marketing. So what happened there is that the show, like, was great for the business. After we, like, got out of the awkward three-month stages, because we were, like, building relationships with guests, some of them became customers, and we were becoming basically famous in the world of sales operations. That was their, they sold their sales software. And so I was like, I'm leaving to do this podcast thing. Do you want to be the first client? And fortunately, they said yes, and they're still a client today. But the reason I tell the story is because, that that process we were building when I had my team like do everything because I just wanted to show up and host is exactly how we like to work with clients now. So we like the client host to basically just show up, do the interview, upload the stuff, or if they're on Riverside, they don't need to. And then we like to do everything else. Then there's typically someone in marketing who's like reviewing assets and meeting with us every two weeks. And then aside from that, we like to be doing everything. Um, the reason why is because obviously it's a more valuable service if we can save them more time but then we can be more accountable for the results so we actually set download goals for client shows and it's our job to hit them and so we're doing like but like all the promotional stuff we just explained 
uh, along with other stuff. And then we're writing the questions so we can save the host time, but make the interview better so we can retain the listeners. So mm-hmm. I don't want to get into it too much because I don't want it to be a pitch, but that's how we like to, um, we built the service based on my needs. And mm-hmm. it's just fortunate that I am the ideal like customer host, like, so all of our hosts are similar to what I was like in that business. So it's quite fortunate Got in it. that respect. Got it. What about like post-production from like video snips, like picking out like, you know, the best parts of that podcast to pull out? Is, what does, yeah. you know, where does it fall on? Who does it fall on for that? Part? Yeah, that's this, like everything apart from hosting the episode, meeting with us bi-weekly and reviewing assets is, is our job because if we're responsible for growing the show, we're going to be just doing the things that, most effective to do that and right now video snippets are still something that helps with promotion interesting it's interesting that you would write the questions which they are a thought leader or a domain expert on right so you know to know what they should be asking to that exact person if they're you know in a particular area that you've got no knowledge on that you know doesn't that seem, wouldn't that be quite difficult as a challenge for, you know, someone to go and give that much in depth? Because they know their space the best as to what people are asking and they're on ground. It's a great question. Really good question. We get this in the sales process as well. You're totally right. At the start, it is more of a collaboration um, between our researcher and their thought leader. Over time, we learn more about exactly like what are the right things to ask. I would also say that for some shows, all of the questions for every episode are pretty much consistent because we're trying to build a database of information like Nathan Lacker has. And so those shows, not really an issue. We collaborate to get the first set of questions, but you're totally right. There's typically in most shows, a chunk of questions that are different for every guest. And we are like, have a, we'll like take the first stab at doing it. The thought leader will then, or the marketing person will jump in review and then we'll see how they've changed stuff and then improve going forward. Got it, got it. So usually you will have like some sort of template, like this is what we want to ask this particular audience that's going to be coming on for this series of, you know, the next 12. And, you know, these are your key questions that you want to get out with them. And is that how you would work it typically? Or it's like it, every guest you're doing research and giving them unique questions? Because that's that's hard. That's a lot of, you know, research in, in behind to get the right set of questions in front of them. There's always consistent questions for every episode. It's just how many. Um, some shows, 100% of the questions are consistent. Some shows, like, 25% are. And for those, yeah, we there's basically two sections to what we call the interview sheet, which is the guest research and then the questions. And so, yeah, at the start, it's collaboration on those customizable questions. But, what, like, scaling agencies, there are, like, a lot of drawbacks. Like, it's not like uh, there's no network effects, right? There are a few little advantages we can, <laughs> we can grab onto as we grow, like that, for example. Got it. When we talked a little bit previously about moving from organic to paid, I see that as a huge opportunity if you can get the right pieces from your first series of podcast, you know, you're in a really good position to potentially move some of that content into your paid arena. I've seen you've also, you know, played around with that, moving your, you know, videos into the paid realm and on your company page. So what's your experience? What's some of the, you know, big learns from having done that? Where have been the failures? Where have been the successes of moving, you know, content into a paid channel of podcast snips? 
Yeah, we've spent a lot of money, a lot of money trying to promote podcasts. I think Facebook is probably like it's dead. I think like a year ago, we would try to get downloads on Facebook, but then I do the clicks that are just so like inflated compared to what you see in the podcast program like Apple. I think, and I haven't done too much testing with this, but I'm doing this very soon, especially with my podcast, is going to be LinkedIn. But let me explain the process. So, you know, we discuss, we have the podcast link below our description. We're doing just general organic posts. I'm not like, I'm sure you can probably do better. And then we're also doing the, we're doing organic posts for RN for every episode that we release. Now, what we're also going to do then is we're going to create what's called a showcase page for our, for the podcast. So here's a page just for the show. And then what we're going to do, because you can't pay it, you can't boost posts from personal profiles. We're going to take like we're going to release 20 episodes and maybe four of those posts that we've posted about the episode are like really popped off. We're going to take those. We're going to run them through the showcase page as boosted posts. And then we're going to see how that's working. Haven't really done it yet, but that's my theory of how to like leverage the content that you know works with a platform that I think is actually giving like real clicks, e.g. LinkedIn. And then you're just also going to be building up the showcase page, which is going to be more social proof for your show going forward. So that's what I'm thinking. And like, obviously, as soon as I try that, I'm going to be sharing like the results, et cetera. But I think that's probably like quite a promising paid strategy for podcasts. I have experimented with similar stuff and I'll give you my experience of what went mm. down when I took out snips and I pushed them in and the biggest, you know, pitfalls and learning. So people really loved my big influences that I've, you know, had on like really big major LinkedIn influencers and they would watch and they would know who that person is. So, you know, I have tactic to know that they know Richard. So me and Richard talking about LinkedIn algorithm, like a really strong mm. snippet, they're sitting there and like, you know, consuming that, loving it. And the conversions from that, and what I mean conversion is they went and landed on the landing page and then went further the second step mm. and went to the strategy call page. So not just one step, but they went and, you know, was interested to that degree. Was super just quickly, high. were you you're running? So you took a snippet and then you run this th from your company page. Company page, like cool. you know, all positioned from. You know, I have a tact for if you wanted to do your own personal style, because people in Facebook also had to do the same thing. All the B two C players are so advanced in you know how you market. So what you and I think I'll do this in the near future. Set up a page with your name or the podcast name. Or just, you know, it's called Tom Hunt or it's called Melanie Francis and I'll have my photo there. And I will run ads as if it is from a profile, mm. but it will be called a company like Melanie Francis. Like I am mm. a company, I am a brand. And people have done that in Facebook for 10 years. We're just all sitting here in B2B <laughs> like freaking dinosaurs, you know, going, yeah. oh, my God. Like, you know, we're going to be the first ones to do that. How exciting, you know, rock the system. I think that's how it's going to evolve because that's how it's evolved in Facebook already. Like one of the biggest digital agents in Australia, King Kong, he's got his ads pumping through King Kong, like, you know, they're putting it up. And then he's created a company called him his own name, um, Sabi mm. Supri, and then he's pumping his own content and he probably spends really? more on his own personal brand than he does on the company's thing because, yeah, because people, you know, buy from people. We all know that. It's all about which... Digital marketing agency doesn't, you know, service-based business doesn't have the core person or the CEO or the founder at the front of their face and promoting it. So 
everyone that I think, you know, is going to get into this thought leadership and it wants to become a personal brand and can see, you know, that's what I want to do. I think the future will be we'll just create the company. We'll, we'll create a separate company page or even we create our own podcast page. That's something I was going to get mm. the tip on. I saw some people that actually do, you know, like Innovative Minds has its own company page on LinkedIn and then it appears with a nice logo right there when they go down to my profile rather than, you know, I'm the CEO of IUBDB, I'm the host of Innovative Mind Podcast. And people go, what's that? You know, and then it looks better than just IUBDB. Like, because you're saying, yeah, put it up there, but shouldn't we also have it right there? It's it's a place that's right there. It's a good question and it should be tested. The other advantage to that is that, and here's a Justin Rowe post on LinkedIn, is that you can pay someone like relatively low amount per month to just go as that page showcase page of the podcast to go and comment like on the hat on your hashtags or on relevant people's posts and that probably will also drive like pretty cheap downloads because you only have to pay them a couple hundred dollars a month yeah so, so what's he saying like go and pay someone to go and comment on your posts on that innovative mind page or something. no so the, the story was it was given like 10 grand a month by a big company to grow their page. And yes. he obviously spent like $9,500 on ads, but then he spent $500 on someone, if someone in the world to go yes. and as the page, go and comment on other posts from. Yes, on I that, saw on that. Hashtag. Yeah. So I saw that. Yeah. So that's something that I want to test as well. When I get the showcase page, it's run that, but then also run the paid ads of the best posts from my personal page. So I think, yeah, this definitely should be tested. Yeah, yeah, that was my, you know, idea that, you know, that's one way. But I so going back to my story about so I run Richard and I run a couple of others, right? But what I soon realize is it's not about everyone. You don't want to like what you said, you know, it's not about everyone. There is particular people mm. that has come on my podcast that has certain level of influence, but not just that, they have already groomed that audience to a degree. And they're not mm. selling the same thing as you. Like they're selling training and some people don't want training. They want it all done for you, right? So you've mm. got these, or they're looking for podcasts and that's not something, you know, that particular support, that particular influencer does, but they have synergies. Those, those people, the way they were converting was like super high, you know? And, it's nice. and I think, yeah, and I think that's the trick on getting that audience right. Like who? is your audience. And I've been thinking so hard about, you know, if you can get audience right, then it's about, you know, the content and does it grab attention? Is it clever? Is it entertaining? But that audience, how educated are they already? Because if you can get someone that's been getting educated Mm. and groomed, so Josh Fletcher, huge influencer, has huge followings, right? The people that follow him, he's already educated his audience for five years. If you can now get into Josh Fletcher's audience, whether you invite him on a podcast but there's ways you can target his people you've got a mature educated audience you're not like now trying to educate through you know a 52 touch point and you might not have the budget of a big business who doesn't give a shit that they're paying 54 dollars a click to buy they're just going to raise money not bootstrapping they're just Mm going to raise another round to continue to do another 50 of touches until it converts and they get their content right if you don't have that you have to be i think super smart and think about who is going to, you know, and, and even if you don't go on a podcast with them, the point is that if you can still post something about them and get that audience, like, I know that person and then how did Josh Fletcher become, you know, 
get to five million revenue being one person. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. you even have a piece like that. These guys, these people are going to be interested, right? And then you can introduce your brand to them. So I think I think well, there's you well, know really cool tact there. First off, I love the the use of the word groomed in this case. It totally makes sense. You're basically just piggybacking on the work they've been doing for the last like five years. My question to you would be: obviously, you want the greatest overlap with the paid audience that you select on LinkedIn with their audience and you can't from my knowledge pay to advertise to someone's followers so is it just like if you do Chris Walker you're gonna hit the interest demand gen is that like the strategy or is there is there something else I think you know a huge secret here is I think you can get access if they have it open as to who you share correlation with particularly and who their first connection your second connection is with them. I think, really? you know, this you can actually get into Sales Navigator and, you know, you can really get into the data. There is obviously, you know, tact oh, yeah. of how you get there, but you can get the names and the surnames of, you know, who their connections are, especially if you share them and whatnot. And then you will have to go in and pay. You'll have to pay for the, you know, emails and everything like that so you can match the data, right? So nice. Yeah, so you can get this is quite some advanced, <laughs> advanced LinkedIn this is some advanced stuff. Yeah, nice. yeah, love it though. So you can get into that audience, and I think that's something you know. Once you can get into that audience, and you've got the right audience, and if you get into Gareth's stuff, like he he's got really cool stuff, and I've got a LinkedIn secret community you should join where I share some of mm. his stuff and how he's actually sophisticated his ad audience. It's just he's buying really really high level of data, and I had him on the show where he really changed my mind going, get your audience right, pay for that audience. If you've got that, now you know that you're not wasting any ad budget to any losers out there that's not your right mm. audience and you're sitting there and you're manually making sure this is who I'm going to spend money on and I'm okay with that because if I get any of these, I'm sweet. And then it's about now, how do you entertain? You know, now you've got your audience straight, you've either bought it from Crunchbase or you bought it from Zoom Info and you mentioned a few other words or you bought it from built with where did you buy your audience from or you scraped like I said suggested from really key mm-hmm. influences you know I'm sure like we can only do this for so long you know we're talking about it today LinkedIn's probably going to turn it off tomorrow so you know the, the opportunities are so little and limited when you talk about mm-hmm. these things and reveal these little secrets but the next part is now that you know what are you going to show them and what are you going to entice them and you were saying you're going to show them this podcast showcase page super cool I've been thinking where it goes wrong, usually, Tom, is you land them on a page and they don't end up being enticed enough to move the dial to the next stage. So you've landed them there. So they see this, you know, cool video of you talking to, you know, maybe a really key influencer, they're enticed. So my strategy is now, do you want to be like them? You know, do you want to appear on a podcast? Because I'm trying to capture who's got interest there to be a thought leader even like or do you even have anything to interesting to say to this level like this is the level of people that are coming on here are you on this level or do you you know do you want to be on this level and then you can kind of maybe you know it's got to be relevant from where you move someone from they see a video and then you land them on something yours is a bit more easier you know if you show them a podcast like you want to run a podcast like this for me, it's like I'm showing them a podcast and landing on a strategy call page. They're like, I don't understand. I just saw the podcast, you know. Mm, <laughs> like that's yeah. where I, that's where I was serving content. I was like, you know, let's let's get into a call. But they 
are not there in their mindset. They're wanting to observe the podcast and then you've got to have a really relevant CTA rather than they don't want to claim a strategy call. They want to get product, potentially the most likely psyche thing they want to do is probably appear on a podcast, likely. So that's my biggest learn is really understanding where this person's psyche is and what they want in that moment rather than trying to always sell them a claim and, you know, book your strategy Mm -hmm. call as your only call to action throughout your whole site. Yeah, I think my approach here would just be to get them to follow the podcast. If I can get them to do that and they listen to like eight episodes, then at some point in the future when they need a podcast, whether they move jobs or et cetera, then in theory they're going to come to me because they know me and like me, hopefully, (laughs) and trust me. But then that's like a much like longer game. If you're like running these ads to get strategy calls for next month revenue, then it's different, right? Yeah, that's interesting. You say follow me on podcast. Are you able to know who followed you? Are you able to know who that LinkedIn profile URL is? And look, to a degree, that's really great. And, you know, high five to that. And, you know, um, Chris Walker, we would all say he's like, you know, high five, they followed you. And it's so great. But at the end of the day, we all have, you know, certain criterias we've got to meet in business too. So I do feel like, you know, untrackable data of I got to follow, that's great, but we've still got to have X amount of conversations or X amount of people that you know is more Mm -hmm. warmer than the person that wants to follow. Because there's people that are going to follow and then there's people that are ready to go a little bit next step. So how are you going to distinguish them? Like, okay, you're not, you don't want to appear on the podcast. You're not ready. Like, yeah, that's the option for you. Just follow. And the hard thing with that is, like, how do you now segregate your audience? I guess you just keep it dark. Well, you could just put, you could put the CTA in the actual episodes, right? So in the future when they're listening, they get the CTA to the strategy call or whatever else you want to push. But I don't want a strategy call after I finish the podcast, you know? I probably will leave a review, though, if I really love it. Mm-hmm. If I really, really love it, but God, to be honest, I'm usually running and I don't have the time to leave you a damn review because I'm running and I don't know even where to find it, to be honest, yeah. where the review thing is. Yes, the follow button is more easier, but you probably even have to tell me where it is. Like, oh, I'll go and hit that follow mm-hmm. every time. So I do think, you know, the follow is cool. I like the follow. I think that's that's a much more lighter thing, but if I'm going to spend on ads and all I get is a follow, it's going to be a very long process. You know? so, so what, what the discussion we're having now is like the age old brand versus direct response discussion, right? Yeah. Um, well, I guess organic to paid. How do you move to organic to paid? How do you do it without failing? You know, I've had lots of experience there on how do you do it well and how do you have the right CTAs potentially because paid is expensive and how do you go for the low hanging fruit? In the paid, you know, how do you capture? As How do you get the ones that are lowest and ready more than, you know, it's going to take you 52 weeks and, you know, that could be a really long game for some people that are earlier on. So that was sort of my biggest learn is you've got to find audience that's mm-hmm. much more ripe and there's a way to do that, which we've shared. And then you put out good content at the end of it. I think what I was asking for sometimes, Mm. yeah, go like my page or go follow me. If go follow me, I'm happy with. Go follow my profile because I've got the data. I'm happy. I know that you're a follower. I know you're engaged. But this go follow my podcast, I feel that I can never remarket to you, which is a shame. I hope they sophisticate and they let you sort of get 
you know, but that's where I guess that's a bit of a thing, Tom, like it's okay to not know, but sometimes I do need to know. I do need to know who wants to follow and I do need to know who my demographic is that I'm helping or impacting and that makes it difficult to do paid ads without understanding behavior. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you for sure. One thing that really fascinated me about you was how you scaled the business, you know, and it shows me how much demand there is for your business. And you talked about documenting every process. Now, I think that's superb. That's where I feel really like in my business, nothing is as good, as well documented as I want it to be, you know, like truly. We use Notion to, you know, put stuff there, but how do you create a culture where you don't have to tell anymore to do it? Like people just go, yeah, I better go document this. It's a really good question. I remember reading a book called Work System by Sam Carpenter like 10 years ago about this. And it's just a story of a guy who had like a business that was a complete, like completely chaotic. And then he transformed it into this amazing business through documentation. The way I've done it is that I like initially just explaining to people like if something goes wrong i'm like go and update the documentation i'm like telling them go and update it so it's easier for the next person and so and then just slowly over time like people have realized that if the documentation is better their job is going to be easier there's some interesting game theory right because there's no immediate gain for them to update the documentation for them but then over time they realize that if everybody does it then every job everybody's job gets easier so i don't have like a, a hack to to do this but it's just like slowly reminding people why it's good for the, the group as a whole for everybody to do it. And then the other thing I'll add is that the documentation is never going to be as good as you want it to be. It's always because as the way you do things changes, the documentation will slowly change behind it. So there's never going to be a point when it's all done, right? And so you just have to get with that and accept it and then try and slowly improve the culture over time. I don't think we've got it perfect, but I think we'll, we like get better like every month. Love it. Yeah, thanks for that. That sounds good. It sounds like I'm like I'm not doing anything too wrong then. I'm encouraging it and no. saying let's do it. But it just happens. It just takes time. There's something super, super cool that I figured out. I haven't even posted about it. I will be. I don't know if it's today or tomorrow. But for you, this is going to be superb. For when you upload podcast snippets, I don't know if you've mm. seen my recent post, but it's got a little URL now and you can click on it and it takes – you to what? my page in the, so i can in the, in the video in the video no. in the snippet yes wow how do you I do know. that oh well <laughs> well that's it's what i'm going to reveal no it's not it's not a secret i lost my shit when i saw it right and i, I only saw it on a picture and i saw mm. someone's doing it and i was like wait it can't be possible it's not going to be possible on a video they're not going to let me put a link on the video that appears the whole time like full podcast like no and if you look at my most recent post, you'll see it appear. It says, you know, link to full podcast. And you'll see that appear. So the hack is you can't you can't do it on desktop. You can only do it natively. You can only oh, do yeah. it natively through mobile. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's absolutely bizarre, but it's super super exciting so here i'll just share my screen with you you can like yeah. you know, take a 
take a look yeah, at this. Yeah, I just this. saw it on the recent post. Did you see it? Pretty cool. Did you see it? Yeah, yeah isn't it? Very cool. It's like Instagram. Yeah, I mean, you would assume that it's going to come to desktop at some point. I just don't know why it's not. So, I, you know, when I told my team, like, I was literally, it's just super exciting because if you can do that, it's for the first time. And I put, I put a Bitly link always on mine to actually mm. see, you know, what, what am I driving? And I can now control a call, like, you know, you like this stuff, I can control where I drive traffic. And it's like right there. It's not in some caption. It's right there on the video. It's right there on the image. So I just think it's like a game changer. It's going to double CTRs, right, from, from video snippets. What do you think? I know. Video is completely the future, and here it is right here. And I think I'm one of the first people to do it, so I think people are going to look at it and yeah. go, what the hell? But they'll have to listen to this podcast right to the end if they want to know the secret, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like in exactly. how it's it's mobile and it's – I'm going to give the feature alert, but I don't think I give away how to do it. So I think it's super cool. I thought you'd enjoy that. I'm super excited yeah. about it. For sure. So the feature alert post you think of going out today on your profile? I think it's today or tomorrow or yeah, okay, somewhere. I'm gonna like, like I'm gonna like it. Yeah. It's gonna blow up that post. <laughs> it's 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 so exciting, right? I, I knew you'd love it, but it just just changing the game. But I think one thing people will have to get used to is that your content team or your distribution team will need to have mobile. Um, yeah. and you know, be able to distribute and download and you know, like frame and all these places need to make it very very easy to download into phone so that they can you know progress from there to the next phase the reason i moved to this frame of vertical more recently with all my guests is so i can actually experiment on tiktok and instagram reels and you know youtube shorts which gary v saying is blowing up and you know mm. this thing right now that's fascinating for me is how do you do multi-channel posting how do you move from a long-form podcast to actually finding a few core snippets and then, you know, how do you actually multiply? And that's been super fun, the learns, because I got shit views on TikTok, but, and I was like, I don't know why people are going so crazy on here for it. But as you consistently post more and more on TikTok, they keep rewarding you for more views, which was really interesting. I don't know if my audience, like I found my audience or not, you know, exactly. I just wanted to start putting out the same stuff just to get a feel what it is but what's your view on you know that moving from podcasts into multi domains and multi-social media yeah i think it is quite attractive because you're obviously recording the content once and you can try and take advantage of five different algorithms i think people maybe underestimate the amount of work it's going to take to get it working on each one but if you do that i think you you can be like pretty awesome like the the leverage you gain from this one hour interview uh, to to get it amplified by YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Like, clearly makes sense. But it's just getting each platform to work, as you said, finding your audience. How do you kind of teach your team on how to pull out the best parts of a podcast that's going to be the yeah. thing that's going to sell? Yeah, it comes back to the documentation thing, right? So we have um, well, the video snippet working procedure. And the the key part is to scan for, like, the most controversial outrageous or actionable things so those are like the key things and it does take time especially for someone to learn a new area a new topic 
And so we typically have the team member like take out six and we're like, no, that doesn't work because of this, that doesn't work because of this. But those three things that, are, that we find at the moment are typically working the best, actionable, outrageous, or controversial are the things that we like to scan for. Awesome. No, I had to ask you that because that's always hard to know what someone's subjective mind of controversy is or if it's too controversial or, you know, I find mm. that's just, you've got to have a strategist and a sales mindset to really pull those best moments out. And it's sort of the most difficult, I think, task because if that's not done right, then the, everything else kind of could fail if they took out like a boring part or the, they named the video boring as well, you know. So mm -hmm. for me, it's like such a long process still from podcasting. It goes through three hands of strategist goes and like, you know, marks the key points and then someone goes and edits it and then it comes back to the copywriter and they might change the hook and the caption like there's so much to get that video that you see out there and still i'm like sometimes looking at it going is that a hook that's grabby enough you know and and you can't be across everything as a business owner as you scale and you get to that quantum of content for me i'm across all my content but i'm saying you know as kind of get to other people that are doing content so it's i always find that strategy a bit really difficult so thanks for sharing your how you're doing it and what are your three points mm -hmm. well tom it's been really cool i've really enjoyed the chat and just getting to know you getting to know your thoughts and you've been so transparent and shared so transparently i've really enjoyed having you on here and i'm looking forward to people listening on and just hopefully gaining some really cool secrets and tacks and hacks that we've both shared with one another. No, thank you, Melanie. I really enjoyed it. I also learned a lot as well. And I look forward to, because I assume you're going to be sending me a snippet or two that I can post and we can see the engagement we get from it. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you, Tom. Cheers, Melanie. You're listening to Innovative Minds. Tune in every Thursday and spark your mind. <laughs>